much. We're looking at Mary and Joseph this morning. Last week, if you recall, we looked at Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah and Elizabeth were two very special people, weren't they? They were declared by God as being, they were declared as being righteous before the Lord. Because of their righteousness and their faithfulness and God's eternal plan to burst into human history at that particular time, this family was chosen to have a son. John the Baptist was his name. And he was set apart by God to be a forerunner of the Messiah. And as we looked at last week, just like John was the forerunner of the Messiah's first advent, his first coming, you and I in this room this morning are forerunners of Christ's second advent, of his second coming. Just like the Old Testament prophesies of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ himself said that he is coming again. And for those who have placed their faith and trust in him, eternity, eternal life awaits. For those that have chosen not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, eternal death awaits. So this morning, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. We're going to fast forward about six months. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin reading in verse 26. And, and after we are done talking about Mary, we will look at Joseph. And our passage of Scripture for, for, for Joseph will be Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Here's what I want us to see this morning. Jesus is God of the possible. I hope you believe that this morning. The angel Gabriel is going to proclaim to Mary that nothing is impossible with God. And that is true. There's nothing that is impossible with God. And just as the angel Gabriel proclaimed that to Mary, it was proclaimed to each and every one of us in this room. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning just thanking you for the privilege once again it is to come together to worship you. Father, as we go to your word now, we just pray, Father, that you will speak to each and every one of us, Father. Reveal to us the truth of your word. Father, I pray this morning if there are some in this room that have yet to receive you as their Lord and Savior, they have never repented of their sins and placed their faith and trust in you and, and declared that you are Savior and Lord of their lives, that this morning they will do that very thing. Father, I know that there's some in this room that has been visiting this church for a while. And Lord, if today's the day that you choose to, to bring them to be a part of this faith family, Lord, we want to celebrate that. Father, just move now during this time of study through your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our first point this morning is this. Mary, a favored woman, blessed among all women. A favored woman blessed among all women. So beginning in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, we read this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and who will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? 
And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. If you recall from our study last week, Zechariah was visited by the angel Gabriel. This is and was a significant encounter. It was huge in the magnitude when you think about it. Not, not only did the angel Gabriel appear to Zechariah and announce that he would be the father of a son in his old age, but for 400 plus years, there had been no voice from heaven. No prophet speaking to man. No audible voice from God. No angelic encounters. For the first time in over 400 years, this occurs. Zechariah encountered the angel Gabriel in the temple. Zechariah would exit the temple, and when his priestly duties were complete, he went home and told his wife of his encounter with the angel Gabriel. Elizabeth would become pregnant, and we are told that for five months she kept herself hidden. Now, about six months later, Mary receives a visit also from the angel Gabriel. Have you ever wondered why the Lord chose Mary? Why did the Lord choose Mary? Mary was just a young teenage girl. How in the world could a teenager be entrusted with such an enormous responsibility? You know, I have two absolutely amazing teenagers. But often I have to remind them to do their chores. I have to remind them to do their homework. I have to remind them to wash their clothes, to wash themselves sometimes, (laughs) to take out the trash, to clean the rooms. I wonder if they would have been able to handle such a responsibility. Mary was set apart among women, wasn't she? Notice the character of this favored woman. Notice her devotion. We read in verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary was favored. That one word tells us so much about her character. She was favored and graced by God. She was chosen to be the mother of God in the flesh. Just amazing when you think about it. You know, we are, um, as a family, we're doing an Advent study. And, and um, one of our studies this week, Connor wasn't there. He was out. And, and Caitlin um, was actually reading the Advent study. And then at the end of the study, there's some questions. And one of those questions had to do with why more people are not in all of the supernatural events that that took place with the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I told Caton that when you grow up knowing nothing else but the Christmas story, it sometimes becomes white noise, doesn't it? Every single one of us in this room, 
Most of us in this room grew up in the church or we've been a part of the church long enough to have heard the Christmas story preached dozens of times, probably by dozens of different preachers. It is great that we know the story, but how often do we truly reflect on the significance of God taking on flesh and dwelling among us? That one event changed the course of all of human history. Mary and Joseph were favored indeed. To have played the parts they played in human history, is, it was beyond an honor. But with that honor came great responsibilities. In Luke one twenty eight, we read that Mary had the presence of the Lord with her. The angel Gabriel said, the Lord is with you. Elizabeth would declare in Luke one forty two that Mary was blessed among all women. Mary was just a teenager. She was somewhere between probably the ages of 13 and 15 because that was the typical age that a girl would be betrothed to be married to her future husband. Such a young girl given such an important responsibility. Notice how Mary responded to the divine encounter. Notice her distress. In verse 29 we read, But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She was troubled. I think as we looked at last week with Zechariah, that fear swept over him. I think both of these characters within our Christmas story Probably fear and troubled is a little bit of an understatement of what they experienced. It was one thing for Zechariah to have an encounter with the angel Gabriel. You know, Zechariah, he was a priest of the Lord. He was a righteous man of God. He was advanced in years. So he should have been able to handle the encounter that he had with the angel Gabriel. But for Mary, this 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girl, for her to have been troubled once again, I think is very much an understatement. But Gabriel puts her at ease. The angel Gabriel says in verses 30 and 31, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You really think that was enough to calm her fears? I think that she was probably still a little bit troubled, a little bit freaked out, a little bit on edge at the encounter with the angel Gabriel and then with the responsibility of knowing that the Messiah was going to be born through her and she was going to be the mother of that child. Gabriel, as we looked at last week, stood in the very presence of God the Father. So you can be sure that the angel Gabriel reflected the glory of the Lord upon Mary. The angel tells her that she would become pregnant and bear a son. And for a teenager that had never known a man, that would be a big monumental statement. Notice her dilemma. In verse 34 we read, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? 
What she is saying to the angel Gabriel is this, I've known no man. She reverts to science. She reverts to biology. She knew of the birds in the beach. She knew that she had never been with a man before. So how in the world was she going to give birth to the Son of God or to any child? And the angel Gabriel goes on to tell her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Meaning this would be a supernatural event that would take place. It would be an act of God. The virgin birth and the resurrection of Christ are the two greatest miracles that have ever taken place in human history. Without the virgin birth, there would be no Savior. There would be no church. And you and I would still live in a land that was in deep, deep, darkness. Folks, just last year, a prominent um, pastor that is highly recognized among current church movements made a statement that was one of the most absurd statements that I have ever read or heard. He said this, Christianity doesn't hinge on the truth or even the stories about the birth of Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now that is so far from the truth. The virgin birth is an essential part of the Christmas story. It is an essential part of Christianity. Without the virgin birth, Jesus would have been born as you and I were born, with a sinful nature. When Adam and Eve committed that first sin in the Garden of Eden, that set off a cataclysmic event. Nature was broken at that moment, and so was man. And we are told in God's word that of the seed of man, from the seed of man, all men would be born into sin, into a sinful nature. In Romans 5, 12, we read, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. You see, if Joseph would have been the biological father of Jesus, then Jesus would have been born with a sinful nature. He was not born of the flesh. Jesus was born with flesh on, but not born of the flesh. Big difference. Since Jesus was born of a virgin, he had a human body. He had a human nature, but he did not inherit a fallen, sinful nature. Jesus was born without sin. He lived without sin, and he was able to become a sin offering for all of us whenever he went on that cross some 2,000 years ago and died on that cross for our sins. The virgin birth is a big deal. Don't let anyone tell you at Christmas that the virgin birth is not a big deal. There is a large contingency of people that sit in our churches today, the evangelical churches that do not believe in the virgin birth. There is no Christmas without the virgin birth. There would be no Savior without the virgin birth. The virgin birth is essential. For Mary, she did not understand the house, but we know that she was a woman of faith, And that is so revealed when we look at her declaration. In verse 37 and verse 38, the angel first in verse 38 says, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
upon hearing the angel Gabriel affirm to her that nothing would be impossible with God, Mary submits to the will of God for her life and for all of humanity's as well. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Mary was resolute in her obedience. She knew the ridicule that she would receive. She knew that she would be rejected by her family. She would be rejected by her friends. And and she would even be rejected at first by her betrothed, Joseph. Yet she still declared in obedience, let it be according to your word. What promise has the Lord given to you? What is that nothing is impossible with God promise you have been given that you need to submit to this morning? All of us have been given them. All of us have heard a word from the Lord that not only will affect our families, but affect the families of others as well. What is that nothing is impossible with God that you need to respond to this morning? Claim that truth this morning and respond by being obedient to what the Lord is calling you to do. Notice our next character within the Christmas story, Joseph. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 18. But Joseph, our second point, a humble man set apart for a heavenly mission. A humble man set apart for a heavenly mission. In verse 18, we read, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before, the, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. It seems like every week I stand up in front of you and I tell you that this is one of my heroes of the faith, whether we're talking about Paul or Moses or whoever it is that we're talking about. But I want you to know, Joseph ranks right up there near the top, and probably in your life ranks up there near the top as well. You know, it's one thing to have had the angel Gabriel appear on the front end of a supernatural event in your life, like the angel Gabriel did with Zechariah and Mary. But it's another thing after a truth is revealed to you to have the angel of the Lord appear to you. As we read in verses 18 and 19, that is exactly what the angel of the Lord did. The angel appeared to Joseph after he had already found out that the love of his life was pregnant and it was not his child. Yes, Mary told him that. And I'm sure that there was that great hope within him that he hoped that what she said was indeed true. But he also knew science and biology and knew that the likelihood of what she said being true was very unlikely. So the angel appears to 
to Joseph. In verses 18 and 19 we read, Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. If you were placed in that situation, how would you have responded? Would you have stayed with Mary? Or would you have divorced her quietly? Or would you have maybe even made a spectacle out of her? How would you have responded? Luckily, Joseph was in a league as a man that most of us men in this room could only dream of being in. Scripture shows us the kind of reputation that he had. In verse 19, again, we read, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a just man. Translated, he was a devout man of God, and he knew the law of Moses. He obeyed the law, which means he knew the law. Being that Mary was betrothed to him, he had every right to divorce her. He could also have made a public spectacle out of her. And he could have even taken her out to the city gates to be stoned to death. That is not what Joseph did, though. He simply resolved to divorce her quietly. He loved Mary, and he respected her way too much to make a spectacle out of her. He was a just man, a righteous man. He was a good man, the perfect man to raise the Son of God. You and I are clearly not ever going to raise the Son of God, are we? But you know what? We represent the Son of God every single day. We are to demonstrate righteousness in our lives and holiness in our lives. And we are to be the light of Christ amongst those that we come in contact with on a daily basis. Notice Joseph's reaction to the angel of the Lord. In verses 20 and 21 we read, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream, and we can see by his reaction that he was a man that was in great turmoil. In verse 20 we see that he, he that we, we, we are told that Joseph considered these things, meaning that Joseph reflected on these things. This word consider carries with it a great weightiness, which also means that there was a sense of anger within him or passionate reason that was going on within him. Joseph was a troubled man. He was troubled in his heart. He was troubled in his mind and he was troubled in his soul. His future bride is pregnant and is not his kid. And when he found out, I am sure that he went to bed a very angry man that night. But what I love about this story is, yes, he did go to bed an angry man, a troubled man. But he didn't wake up the same man, did he? Notice five assurances that the angel of the Lord gives Joseph. The first one is this. It was was God's will for Joseph to marry Mary. The first thing the angel did was give Joseph the assurance needed for him to take Mary as his bride. The second assurance was this. Mary's pregnancy was supernatural. The next thing the angel did was assure Joseph that Mary had not been unfaithful. He assured him that her pregnancy was the result of the Holy Spirit. It was not a result of Mary's unfaithfulness. 
The third assurance that the angel Gabriel or the angel of the Lord gave to Joseph is that the baby to be born would be a son, which would be the fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. And the fourth assurance was the name Jesus would be his name. And I want us to camp here for just a second. We looked a little bit last week about at names, the significance of names within Hebrew culture, and even today, even within certain cultures. When a Hebrew is given a name, that name has a biblical significance. For Jesus, one writer wrote this, Jesus, a good Hebrew name, very similar to the Old Testament name Joshua. The Hebrews love to give names with meaning. And the meaning usually involves some wordplay on the name. Jesus means to save. His name comes from the Hebrew word Yasha. Names like Hosea, Isaiah, and Joshua are all based on this verb. The name Jesus, like the name Joshua, would mean the Lord saves, or shorten would mean he saves. That is why The significance of the name is explained in our passages of Scripture. For he shall save his people from their sins. The Jews knew that a Savior would come. Old Testament prophecy made that abundantly clear. And now the angel is telling Joseph that that Old Testament prophecy is coming true. It is being fulfilled. Mary would be the mother of the Son of God, of the Messiah. Subsequently, the angel is telling Joseph that he would be the earthly father of Jesus, set apart to raise the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. No pressure, right? Can you imagine the weightiness of that? And once again, the fifth assurance was that he will save his people from their sins. Only one person can save man from their sins. And that is the Lord. That was true then, and that is still true today. Despite what popular opinion might tell us, that there are multiple ways to heaven, Jesus Christ made it clear in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except through me. There is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And, and, and Old Testament prophecy is clear, and the words that were penned by Matthew and, and that the angel reported, he will save his people from their sins. There's one person that can save us from our sins, and that is Jesus Christ. For Joseph, he must have been overwhelmed with this encounter. The weightiness would be beyond Waiting. Now, instead of him living in shame because of what Mary did, he will be living with a special revelation from God that no one will believe. Just like nobody believed Mary probably whenever she proclaimed that she was pregnant, nobody would believe Joseph whenever he would take Mary to be his wife. His family wouldn't believe him, his friends wouldn't believe him, the people within the city of Nazareth wouldn't believe him. Notice how Joseph responds to the light. In verses 24 and 25, we read, When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. When Joseph awoke from his dream, 
He does as the Lord instructs. He takes Mary as his wife. No more questions would be asked. Mary's integrity is intact, and Joseph accepts his responsibility to be the earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, folks, both of our characters within our Christmas story this morning demonstrated that they were just people, that they were righteous people, that they were highly favored, they were chosen. And what did they do with the responsibility they were given? They obeyed. Every single day, you and I are given instruction from the Lord. We are instructed through the guidance of the Holy Spirit to go and do and to go and be. What is it that the Lord is calling you to this morning? What is it that he is calling you to respond to? What is that act of obedience that you need to respond to? How has the Lord been directing your life over the past few days, over the past few weeks, over the past few months, over the past few years? What is that, that thing that the Lord is directing you to do that you have kind of set on your hands and you have chosen not to be obedient? Let's be people of obedience. Let's be men and women that obey when the Lord speaks to us. You know, as we, as we clearly see throughout God's word, Jesus is the God of the possible. And he wants to do what man declares as impossible through each and every one of our lives. That God, God has given all of us a task. He has given all of us work to do. He's given all of us a mission. Have you responded in obedience to that mission. You know, you may be here this morning and the Lord has been speaking to you this morning, been speaking to you for some weeks now about your need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and to repent of your sins and to cry out to Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and to become a Christ follower. You may be here this morning. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. Well, I want to invite you this morning to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. And that is to repent of your sins and declare Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. If you haven't done that this morning, I want to invite you to make the greatest decision that you could ever make. You know, you may be visiting this church. You may have been visiting this church for a while, and this morning is the morning that the Lord is leading you to become a church member. We welcome you to be a part of Friendship Baptist Church. It's a great church, great people. We do our best to live up to our name, friendship. And we want to be a church that reaches this community with the gospel. And we want to be a church that, that takes the responsibility of discipleship seriously. So if you're being led to be a part of this faith family, we invite you this morning to come. Let's stand together. And as we stand, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. And if there's a decision you need to make this morning, I invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you this morning thanking you for the opportunity just to be in your house. Father, as we enter into this time of invitation, Father, I know that there are many of us in this room, Lord, that over and over hear your voice, but out of fear 
or out of being inconvenienced, we choose not to obey. Father, may that not be said any more of us. May we be obedient the first time that you speak to us. And may we respond as Mary and Joseph did. Let it be. Father, we love you. And we just ask now that if there is a decision that needs to be made, Lord, that you will just speak to each one of our hearts so that we can obediently respond, so that we can respond in obedience. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning and there's a decision you need to make, you may be here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to invite you right now to come because we would love to share with you about how you can become a Christ follower today, how you can repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in him. You may be visiting this church a while and the Lord's leading you to become a member. You come. You may need to come and kneel here at the altar. If that is the case, you come. You may need to sit down where you're at this morning and do business with the Lord. You do that. Whatever the Lord is leading you to do during this time of invitation, you do it. You do it now. You come.